We now welcoming Jets head coach Robert Sala into the crew for our huge one-on-one interview with the toast of the town right now in New York after the Jets' huge win over the Buffalo Bills, 20-17. to Good morning, coach. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, Joe. Now, listen, I was just wondering if your vibe is so good based on the way I was seeing things on TV and how you guys looked on the sideline. Really quickly, have you tried your luck with the Powerball yet? Uh, you know what? I, I, I bought one. I, uh, I, I bought one the night before the game. So I transferred, I transferred my, my couple of bucks of winnings to go buy another one. Uh, but I guess there's a delay, right? Have they, have they popped the new one out yet? Yeah, it's looking a little controversial there. I don't know what's going on as far as us not knowing what these numbers are, but I'm still waiting <laughs> on my 1.9 billion. I'll give you 10 uh, if I win it, okay? Pinky swear, pinky swear. <laughs> but anyway, li- listen, I just wanted to know, obviously, very electric. I watched you on the sidelines after you guys beat the Bills, and I was just personally curious, how long did it take you to come down from that and even just get to sleep? Um. Uh, I knocked out as soon as I got home, not going to lie to you. Um, football games are pretty exhausting, but, um, you know, it was just a, a really cool moment. You know, the stadium was so live. Um, I had the electricity in the stadium was awesome. And, uh, you know, it was, it was to, to beat that football team because of how good they are. They're so well coached. They, they've got dynamic players at, at, in every facet of their game. But uh, um, but at the end of the day, we got to be able to come down. We have the bye week, but uh, we got to get our feet back on the ground and get ready to go for the second half of the season. Now, how do you feel about folks calling the victory over the Bills, especially when they were 6-1 coming into MetLife, your signature win? Um, that, that's more for outside, Joe. Like, um, you know, we we try to keep the, the mindset to treat every game like a championship game. And, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you treat every moment like a championship moment, you put your best foot forward every chance you get you'll make the great teams look normal and you'll embarrass the bad ones. And, uh, and so it's just an opportunity for us to go play to our style, play to play with our energy, play with our juice and, uh, and whatever happens happens. And uh, just for, we were fortunate enough to get a couple of bounces our way. And, um, and I thought our guys made some plays in clutch moments and, and we were able to come away with the win. So just talking about you specifically, I'm curious, you know, what did you learn about yourself and even yourself as a coach, when you think back to where you guys were week two against the Browns down 1730 in the fourth compared to where you are right now is six and three headed into the bye when you reflect over your own self. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's really changed much for, for us in terms of uh, we're, we're young. Um, we're a team that doesn't flinch. I, I think we've got a, a lot of young talent. I think people have, people see that now. And, um, you know, but, but at the same time, we're, I, I kind of like our group and the fact that I, I think they they really understand that it's about coming to work every day, working, uh, again, like I said, putting our best foot forward, go to bed better than when we woke up. So we talk about around here and, uh, you know, we, we do a really nice job with practice. We, our guys like hanging around with, with each other. You, you see the defense getting together every Thursday to watch tape, um, together as a unit. And, uh, you know, so it's a really tight knit group and it's, um, now, obviously, winning makes it that way, but at the same time, I, I, I do think that they understand what, what needs to get done in the second half of the season and that, you know, it's cool to be six and three, but as, as cool as that is, it could flip in a hurry if we don't, if we don't continue to take care of our, our business. But even still, you know, because I'm trying to use this opportunity to learn a little bit even more about you. And I'm even curious when you reflect back to even week three after the Bengals, you guys coming off of a loss, 
how do you how do you even personally just center yourself you know when you're in the midst of adversity at that point in the season before even going to your staff or going to your players uh you know the um so when i was in seattle um i was blessed to be around some really really cool football coaches you have gus bradley pete carroll uh ken norton jr uh chris richard rocky Sento, tom cable uh just from a uh just understanding like from a philosophical standpoint, uh, Dan Quinn got a chance to be with him too. It was phenomenal. And, um, and really it, being with, especially being with Pete, it wasn't so much about X's and O's as much as it was about you, the individual and what was important to you as an individual. What do you value? Uh, what do you stand, uh, what do you stand for on a day in and day out basis? And what's your mission statement? All these different philosophical things and what's your style of play and how he challenged us, uh, not necessarily from an X and O standpoint, but just from the mental aspect of it. And um, so to answer your question, whether it's high, whether you're winning or losing adversity, good times, bad times, doesn't matter. If you understand what you're, what's, what you value and what you're true to, then you can be that every day. So you don't have your highs and lows. You, you can remain consistent. Your messaging can stay consistent with, uh, with, uh, regardless of the the climate that you're in. I was really talking about, Coach, if you start off your day on the elliptical, if you do yoga, you know, do you take lemon water? That's really what I was getting into, even though you are not all that technical stuff. <laughs> Jumping the way where, you know, you know, get a little peloton, little peloton, little, little, little lift and all that good stuff, trying to burn off all that energy, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, okay, okay. So look, I know you don't like talking so much about the receipts comment, right? But what I do want to kind of ask you about that is obviously you guys are six and three and you have accomplished and kind of exceeded beyond a lot of people's expectations relative without going to it, into all of that specifically. What would you say you just learned about the media based on how they were almost trying to lather up against you at that time and almost you feeling like you're the toast in New York right now? Uh, you know, I learned, I learned a long time ago never argue with a man who buys a can buy the barrel, right? So that's uh, just rule one. But, um, and so there's, uh, there's picking fights. There's, you can do whatever you want, but it's, you know, you, you know that when you make comments like that, it's not going to be, especially when you challenge uh, the media, it's going to be responded to the way it was. And, uh, you know, there's, um, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. They, obviously, I know we're getting a lot of fanfare and all that stuff, and it's, and it's awesome, but, you know, it's it's part of what Bill Parcells talked about with regards to any market now, especially with social media. There's euphoria and there's disaster. Uh, you win a game and you people are starting to try to find avenues to the playoffs. But when you lose the game, it start trying to talk about how your demise is going to happen. You know, it's, uh, and they start poking holes at what, you know, like on the flip side, we, you know, we beat a Buffalo team. They're six and two. They're still arguably the best team in football, but now teams are trying to poke holes in them. There's no holes to poke. It's a, it's a damn good football team and they're going to be right there at the end of it and they're going to be in the thick of it and they're still um, every bit of a, a, a Super Bowl contender as anyone in football. And uh, But, you know, and that's what makes this league great is that on any given Sunday, anyone can win. But so with regards to the media, it's, you know, it is what it is. You know, there's to the victor goes the spoils and, uh, you know, but uh, but at the same time, you have to understand, like, you can't take anything too personal because when you lose, it's it's going to come down on you. But you can't start patting yourself on the back when you win because they're going to praise you and, and anoint you when you do. 
you know, I was fully expecting you to have your list of clapbacks ready, you know, since you are <laughs> six and three, you know, you could have come back with that if you wanted to, or we can just save that for a Super Bowl stage, you know. There it that's is. Okay. That's we'll, what it's waiting for. <laughs> well, we'll move on. For, okay, okay, okay. So thinking about to where you guys were even going into that uh, Buffalo Bills game, Zach Wilson coming off the three interception performance. I'm just curious, what was your communication style and approach with Zach Wilson relative to where you recall his mental state and his psychological state was at that time? You know, when, when it's just, everyone's different. Um, for me, when, when someone's down and just getting pounded on, he doesn't need the people in the building to pound on him also. And, um, and just felt like it was important for him to recognize all the different things he did well in that game. Because at the end of the day, it was, you know, he's, he was being crucified for four or five plays. And granted, there were, there weren't good plays, obviously, but he did a lot of good things. He still threw for over 300 yards. He had two touchdowns. He generated uh, nine or 10 explosive passes, you know, there's uh, uh, as part of it, you know, so, so there was a lot of good things that he did. And there's a lot of good things that he did prior to that game too. And, uh, and just helping him stay in the moment, keep your feet in the ground, continue to find ways to get better. Um, let's knock out these self-inflicted wounds because it wasn't like they were aggressive uh, 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 mistakes that he made in New, uh, New England. They were just, they were, they were bad. And he knows that. But at the same time, I, his ability to recognize that, talk about it and find ways to avoid it going into, a, going against a Buffalo team that creates havoc all over the place on defense. Um, I thought he did a really, really good job attacking the weak and, and playing, playing within himself on game day. So where would you say Zach Wilson's maturity level is as a man right now and as a football player relative to his curve of growth? Um, well, I don't know. Like I, I try to, I try to empathize uh, with these young men. Like when I was 22. <laughs> yes. Let us know, Robert, when you were 22, what, 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 what do you have to say? <laughs> running the bars at uh at michigan state drinking long island iced teas had five bucks to my name didn't yeah i mean there was like there's no consequence to whatever the heck i did but you think about these young men now uh with social media everyone's got a camera everyone's a reporter if you will um they're loaded with money in the bank uh it's so easy to gain access to them because of social media so there's there's a million ways from sunday that uh to put yourself in a predicament that, that you don't need to be in there. They're being pulled a million different ways because now it's all about branding. So I think these kids are phenomenal. I, I do like I, every single one of them. And you, so you talk, and then you add the fact that Zach's the quarterback and he's 22 or 23, whatever he is. And, uh, and having to manage all of this, um, to me, it's remarkable. And I, I think, uh, um, it's why they're special. It's why all these, these young men. So I'll, I'll always go to go, go, go go to the earth and end of the earth and back to, to fight for them because I think they're just uh they're unique in that way all, all athletes throughout all sports are it's pretty pretty special in my opinion so what do you think about the game manager role kind of or the game manager label on Zach Wilson now relative to how he played against the Bills and can you guys make it into the playoffs or make a playoff run with him playing beyond the game manager label I think, um, you know, I know, I know I referenced it a few times, but, uh, you know, we, when we've had to call his name and, and we needed to lean on his arm, he's done it. Uh, 
And we didn't need it against Miami. We didn't need it against Green Bay. We didn't need it against Denver. And, um, you know, the New England game, we really, it was just mistakes. We, we didn't, it was, uh, things were going fine. And, uh, you know, when you look at the Buffalo game, he converted two third downs with his feet, got that big third down the Mims to extend the clock. You know, he made timely plays. Buffalo just is, is one of the top, top defenses in football and thought he played really well. And, uh, um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, I, we have all the confidence in the world in them that if we, if we need him to go make plays, he'll go make plays. And, uh, you know, so he's going to continue to get better. People forget he's, he's playing behind or uh, behind an old line that's kind of had some shuffling and they're doing a great job. They had a really nice game against Buffalo and he's playing with a bunch of young receivers too. Uh, and uh, a whole new set of uh, uh, players and, and they're all growing together. That's why I think it's really cool what we're seeing with our offense. And um, as the season goes and the games get bigger, I think he's going to continue to, to find himself. He's going to find ways to get better. And, you know, he's, he hasn't even, he's, he's not even close to where we think he's going to go, but I, I've said it before, you'd be remiss not to acknowledge the fact that he's um, light years ahead of where he was a year ago, and he's going to continue to find ways to get better. And I think when we're looking at him this time next year, uh, for example, he's going to be light years ahead even next year, but, so he's, he's got a great mindset to him. He's going to continue to find ways to get better. And I, I think that uh, as the games get bigger, I think he'll get bigger too. Well, you know, listen, the Ravens won with Trent Dilfer being somewhat of a game manager and, you know, winning the Super Bowl. So it's possible, just saying. <laughs> yeah, no comment? Okay. <laughs> okay, listen, let's talk about Garrett Wilson because this is the guy that I know was going to be a baller based on the way he contorts his body, balances his body, catches the balls and all these things like that. I'm curious, especially because I feel like he doesn't show any signs of fear, but that's me. So with that being said, what signs do you feel like Garrett Wilson shows of having maybe like a Mamba-like mentality in terms of having that closer ability, wanting to make the game winner play, just wanting to be special overall, or just having no fear when it comes to bodying any corner that he uh, faces in a one-on-one uh, matchup in man coverage. For sure. Um, this, this rookie class, um, um, I'll single out Garrett, but the, the coolest thing about Garrett and he's, a re- and when I talk about Garrett, I'm talking about the entire rookie class. Mm. One thing, one thing we noticed about all of them is that it's usually with a rookie, especially in week one, their eyes get like, like this, they're, they're just enormous. They're in awe. It's, Oh my God, that's, um, uh, name a superstar. If you're on, on defense it's Oh my God, it's Julio Jones or whoever it is, you know, and it's, you're just in awe of the fact that you're playing with the guys that you grew up watching. And, um, and so for Garrett and all of our rookies, they, they stepped on like we belong. They, they didn't care. They, they stepped on the field and, and they are, they know they belong. They know they're pretty good. And Garrett, the game is not too big for him. He's getting better every single week. Uh, he does have a uniqueness to his body in terms of the th- different things that he can do. He's got elite body control and hands and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously he's got to get stronger and all the different things that come with, with uh, growth and maturation of being, being a man, I guess. And, uh, but, uh, he's, he's got a tremendous mindset. And I, and I say that not just speaking about him, but the entire rookie class. So when you talk about a player like Denzel Mims, who was a healthy scratch for six games and you're bringing in a star player like Garrett Wilson as a coach, how do you manage a player's mindset like Denzel Mims? And we'll get into Elijah Moore too, 
when it comes to still making them feel appreciated and still having them mentally engaged? Because it's hard. You know, people say, come to work. You know, you're supposed to do your job, you know, show up with a smile. But that's not always realistic. You know what I mean? No, it is because they have individual goals, too. And um, and so it's it's uh, it, it is tough because you're, you're trying to sell them to, to come in and do your job you know, just stay focused on the team and all that stuff. And it's hard because they want, they want all the great things that this league has to offer with regards to production and, and fame and all that stuff. But, um, but it's, it's a two-way street. And I think that's where I think you look at a guy like Denzel, who over the last month just completely flipped the script on, in terms of his approach to this game and the, the way he's been attacking it and, and the positive nature at which he's doing it. Uh, because the reality is when you start thinking about all the things you, you have zero control over, and this is where I think from a, from a young person's standpoint, it's very hard to grasp this, but the more you focus on things you have zero control over, which is playing time, production, all the different things, like especially at receiver, where it's one of the more uncontrollable positions in football, the more you, you're focusing on all that, the less you're focusing on what you can bring to the table physically, mentally, uh, and attitude-wise. And uh, the more you put yourself, the more you try to chase things you have zero control over, the and the the more negative things can can become. And the more negative they become, the more you hurt yourself. And so when you look at a guy like Denzel, and uh, you know, just shifting to, you know what, I'm just gonna go out here, have fun, have fun at practice, be a great teammate. It it just shifted, and uh, and it's reflecting in his play, and he's been getting opportunities because of it. So we know about Elijah Moore. We're talking about managing players going through adversity. We know he asked for the trade. Obviously, he didn't get traded. So specifically, what is his role out of the bye? Um, fine. Again, he's, you know, we've, uh, we're have we trying to find him more opportunities in the slot. Um, I think he had 27 plays last week. Uh, Elijah's a great football player. He's going to be a big reason why we win here for a very long time. And, uh, and obviously it's on coaches to continue to find ways to get him the ball, find ways to get him opportunities. And, and obviously for him to continue to, to it's a new position because we've been playing him outside for the most part. And so we're just, we're trying to find ways to utilize all his strengths and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, to his credit, I, I know, you know, there was, and I said it before, and I know there was the, the trade request, but he's been great. I mean, he's got great attitude. He's, he is a great teammate. He, his teammates love him. He's, He's always right there. And, and, I, and same thing, you know, when you get frustrated, you get players can get frustrated. I can get frustrated when you're just chasing production and, and things you have zero control over. But, um, but Elijah's built the right way. He's got a great mindset to him. I'll still stand by the character of which we drafted in terms of the, the young man coming from Ole Miss and, and who he is and what he represents. But uh, um, as the season goes, I think people will start seeing him uh, become more and more a fixture in the offense in terms of a, a role uh, specifically designed for him. And that must have to do with the way you all are communicating to him because when we hear LaFleur say and you say, oh, he has a great mindset when a player is asking for a trade, I mean, you can kind of see how that sounds. But I mean, obviously, you guys sound very confident that that mindset in no way is going to plague or infiltrate the locker room because it, it sounds cotton candy, but we know that the player just asked for a trade. You know what I'm saying, Robert? <laughs> But it's when we when we talk mindset, it's 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 one thing to ask for a trade because you're 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 a um, a bad character individual. Like this dude mm. works his tail. He works his tail off. He is uh, for one of the first ones in, last ones out. 
uh, on top of his regen, on top of working out, does extra after practice, puts in all the, puts in all the work. And um, but but we can get we can get sideways when we start thinking about production because at, at the receiver spot, it's not it's it's not overly difficult to take a receiver away, right? It's uh, and so you're there's a lot of different things that have to happen for you to be able to get the ball. The play caller's got to call it for you. The defense has to be in a defense that gives it to you. The whole line's got to protect. And the quarterback's got to deliver the ball. There's just a lot of different things that come into play with regards to the receiver. And uh, um, so when when production is is how you judge yourself, it, you can get sideways. And um, so with with Elijah, he he is such he's a fantastic competitor. And he, all he wants to do is help his football team. So I think it's different when you're asking for a trade because you're, you're being a baby versus when you're asking for a trade because you feel like you can be doing more um, and, uh, and being, be more of a, uh, an asset because he wants more. And for that, I commend him. I think he's awesome. And, I th- and uh, it's why, why he's here. And it's why we think he's going to be very, very successful in this league. All right, I'll move you along really quickly to the defense. I got to say, I was lo- watching Sauce Gardner do his post-game interview after the win against the Bills, and he and he didn't look like he was getting caught up in the hype or the hysteria. He looked steady, Freddie, to me, and it made me think about how you guys were, you know, managing him with the press at the beginning and at practice or what have you, but I, I, I didn't see anybody, you know, overly, you know, in the clouds. I, I don't know if you see the same thing, but I'm just curious about how you feel like he's managing the sauce persona, so to speak, on and off the field. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like, uh, like the same thing I talked about, these 22-year-olds and all the different things they have on their play. I feel like he's been sauce since, what, peewee football when they gave it, when he, when he had that nickname. So I think he's used to it. You know, I've uh, made mention in some of my press conferences, you these are social media babies and that they're, they're so used to reading comments and, and disregarding things or just looking past it and making a point just and living their life where um, I didn't get us. And I, I, I was part of the, the, the beeper uh, uh, age where you had a, you know, you got a beeper and went to a payphone to, to, to call somebody. So I, this whole social media thing where people are talking about and they're mean on social media, they just, they have such balance in themselves and they, and they know how to handle it all. And, uh, so for him, I, I think he's he's lived this life for for 10, 15 years now. And I, I don't think it's it um, it's really changing. Um, and then really too, got to just get in Quinnen Williams, uh, AFC player of the month. I remember when I interviewed him before the draft, it didn't even look like he uh, had been out of the South before. Matter of fact, I don't think he had been out of Alabama before. Uh, just really quickly how he is looking now compared to, you know, feeling so kind of wet behind the ears when he first came into the league. I mean, I, I don't know that I feel like Quinnen is getting his due share relative to all of the people on your team. No, for sure. And, and uh, you know, more and more, uh, it's all about first impressions. Well, to me, D-line is probably the second hardest position in football to acclimate yourself to other than quarterback. Obviously, quarterback being the hardest position. Uh, especially when you talk about interior D line, it's just, you're playing a different game in there. Every offensive lineman is all pro or, uh, was all conference and it's, uh, the schemes, the quarterbacks getting rid of the ball faster. So to be able to have production coming out of college, especially on the interior D lineman, it is hard. It is hard. And, uh, so his first year didn't go the way he wanted it to, uh, second year he's, he, um, he started having some success and then, you know, you bring in a new, new staff, that's us. And in his first off season, he hurts his ankle and, uh, and he misses really his entire off season. So he's not in the, um, he, 
he's he's not hitting on all cylinders to start last year, but he still has a lot of success. He's still a heck of a football player. And this speaking last year, and then this offseason, he's finally had it's year two in the system. He had an entire offseason to stay healthy and get himself prepared to play a football game. He shows up in the best shape of his life because he can, because he's not injured. And 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 we're seeing it. And um you know, it's just kind of the way it goes with, with some players sometimes. And I, I think he is playing at an all-pro level. Um, he's darn near impossible to block in a one-on-one situation. He's got such tremendous power and athleticism for, for his size. And, uh, and, um, and, and he brings all the right stuff off the field, too. So he's, he's been an absolute pleasure to coach. Last few questions here. Let's move on to the Patriots. You're going to be obviously on your bye. First of all, are you going to spend any of the bye going to Turks and Caicos, Cancun, doing any type of vacation, anything? Or how much of this bye are you actually spending preparing on the Patriots? Uh, you know what? Um, my wife has a, a honeydew list about 10 miles long, so I got to knock that out. So maybe in between I might be able to get a nap. But uh, <laughs> no, we're uh, we're going to be here in Jersey. Um it's hard to travel with seven kids for only a couple of days. It's got to be a couple of weeks if we're going to if we're going to move the whole family around. But uh, we'll do a couple of things. I have a couple of days nights playing with the wife. But um, but no, we'll be we'll be home. I'm sure I'll pop on uh, New England, and uh, you know we just played them, so I'll probably go back and watch uh, this last game, and probably tune in on Sunday to see what they uh, or uh, really just um, watch just football on Sunday, just in general, not necessarily New England. But uh, yeah. We'll see. Well, listen, your defensive end, John Franklin Myers, was quoted in New England media, Nesson, saying, uh, you know, that he was given bulletin board material when it comes to uh, facing the Patriots again, coming out of the bye, saying in part, quote, anybody who watched the film can sit here and say we shouldn't have won that game. But obviously, it felt like, you know, they did, you know, they should have won that game. And then you have Sauce also saying, they can't wait. He can't wait to play the Patriots. So I'm just, what's your opinion on how your your players are kind of describing somewhat frothing at the mouth to replay the Patriots again and kind of avenge the sour taste of uh, being served your third loss? No, for sure. You you want your players believing that uh, you, that they're that they're capable that we're capable of winning. You want that, but like New England's done this to people forever, where they they make you feel like you had no business losing, but they do it to everybody. They, they play a very disciplined style of football. Uh, they, they force you into ridiculous mistakes. They take advantage of your mistakes. They win the field position battle. Uh, they dominate teams, defense, offense. Uh, they don't make mistakes, like I said. And, uh, you know, they're super, they're so well coached and they've been together for so long that they operate at a very high level. And, uh, you know, so you can, you can have all the motivation you want, but if you don't play with your head on straight and you don't stay focused on keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is your job and executing it to 100% of your ability, then it won't matter. Um, Cause at the end of the day, they're, they're just, they're, they're too disciplined in how they operate from play, uh, playing and play out. And they do all the little things, right. That force you into all these mistakes. So um, our guys will be motivated. They're going to be motivated, but at the end of the day, it's the it's a team that can keep their head on their shoulders and stay focused. Uh, that usually wins those games when you play New England. Last question. So when you and I talked in training camp, I brought up the Bengals. Bengals the year before last were four, moved to 10. You know what I'm saying? And obviously went to the Super Bowl. You guys know you had the same amount of wins last year relative to where you're sitting now. Can you talk about the Jets' chances of representing the AOC in the Super Bowl? Um, but you know, I'm not going to do that joke, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I'll, I'll say this, um, mm-hmm. 
what we've set ourselves up for is to have a really exciting second half of the season, but it's still going to take one day at a time, one game at a time, New England's first. And, uh, and we've got to take care of our business in that regard. And, uh, um, you know, we've got three division games left. We've got, uh, we got home games left. We've got big road games left. There, there's a lot of different things that are left, but, uh, but we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. If we take care of the moment, uh, the end result will take care of itself. And uh, so it's all, all we've done so far is give ourselves the opportunity to set ourselves up for a really cool second half, an exciting second half where we can um, be in some big games and, and be a part of the, the uh, discussion. Well, you know, Robert, it's okay to just do a little of this. Because <laughs> we know you got it. We know you got it. Listen, Robert, we appreciate you talking with me uh, going into the bye after that huge win, uh, 20 to 17 against the Buffalo Bills. So we look forward to seeing the matchup against the Patriots coming out of that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it.